Let's be real honest. When you started your business, how many mistakes did you make? Countless, right? There are so many mistakes that we make when starting a business, when shifting roles in our business, when adding a new service, when adding team members, when growing a team, there's all of these different pitfalls that you don't know until you know, you know? And that's one of the big things that I want to talk about on this podcast and in my content and be really transparent with my audience as a whole. I've been running my business now for five and a half years. And I am so, so incredibly grateful for the success I've seen in that time. But it wasn't without mistakes. So in today's episode, I'm going to be giving you the three big mistakes I made as a new CEO. So I hope you're able to tune in and learn from me before you make the same. Welcome to today's episode of the CEO Shift Podcast. As I mentioned already, we're going to be talking about the three mistakes I made as a new CEO. Now, something I want to caveat is that when I say new CEO, this I'm speaking specifically to the time in my business where I was transitioning from an online business manager working with one-on-one clients and doing system setups on my own to hiring two or three subcontractors and beginning to grow and manage a team. That is when I began, unbeknownst to me at the time, to really shift from worker bee, business owner to CEO. I mentioned it before on the podcast. You don't just wake up one day and you're like the CEO of your business. You get there, in my opinion, gradually. The more experience you have, the more you invest in your business, the larger your team is, the more, the higher your ticket is, all of those different things. So for me personally, when I say new CEO, that's that's the time in my business, the time in my life that I'm referring to. So I wanted to give that caveat so that you all can have clarity on where I'm coming from in regards to these three big mistakes that I made. And I hope they help you. So the first mistake I made was I was really slow to bring on client-facing team members. When I first started to transition into an agency model, the first few clients that I worked with, I was still working with them day in and day out and essentially passing on tasks to the person on my team. They would do, you know, they would send the proposals or the invoice or possibly type up an email for me or work on graphic design and that sort of thing. And it wasn't long, I would say a handful of months in that space, I was talking to my business coach at the time. And I was like, this isn't really saving me a whole lot of time. I'm still, I'm having to go back and forth with the client. And then I'm having to go back and forth with my assistant. And then like basically go back behind and like check the work and everything before it's sent or, or finished or whatever. And my coach at the time was like, well, then you should just let her run the accounts. She's like, why are you still part of the accounts? And that question ended up spurring 
bringing on client-facing team members and really just kind of going for it, which I'll get into why that doesn't work all that well here soon. And when I brought her on, we switched things over to client-facing. It saved me so much time and mental effort and mental space and mental energy and emotional energy and space. And I was really able to focus on working with the clients that I was really excited about working with. These were clients that I was at a higher level with. I was more a online business manager, less of a VA. I really helped create packages in the business, optimize our operations. I did sales calls. I managed their team. It was much more involved than answering emails, fielding client questions, scheduling on the calendar, that sort of thing. And I really thrived in those environments. I really thrived in providing excellent customer service to my client's clients while also helping my client optimize the business in order for them to make more money and for things to be more streamlined. It was a win-win-win for everyone, my client, their clients, and myself. So when we made that transition, that was the first thing I did. And and like I said, I was I was a little too slow to get there. And the reason I say that is I was entering burnout mode before I transitioned to client-facing assistance. And I was probably working with I think I think it was 8 or 9 clients day in and day out. And that's answering their emails, scheduling things on their calendar, sending proposals and invoices and schedules and all those things in between, all of the little itty bitty things in between those bigger tasks to help them run their businesses. And they were all on Voxer. So I was on eight or nine different Voxer chats, going back and forth with them you know, throughout the day, getting things done, having other tasks handed off to me, et cetera, et cetera. And on top of that, I had a couple of social media accounts that I was managing, and I was still doing Dubsado setups and HoneyBook setups at the time. So it was intense, and it was not anything for me to get into the office at 9 a.m. and not leave until 5, 6, or even 7 o'clock at night a couple times a week. And so... None of my clients were getting the best of me because I was spread so thin. And then I was coming home and my family wasn't, certainly wasn't getting any good side of me because I was exhausted by the time I got home. So when I started to evaluate the changes I needed to make in order to sustain the success, I knew I needed to bring on client facing assistance. So if I had made that transition sooner, I probably would have grown the agency a little faster and avoided the burnout on my end and avoided some... I didn't have any unhappy clients, but I definitely had a couple of instances where they didn't get my best work. And I still feel guilty about that to this day. (laughs) So that's, that's one thing that if you are butting up against that max capacity, if you are towing the edge between burnout and overwhelm and not being able to keep up with your work in a way that you can feel proud of, in a way that allows you to still show up for your family, in a way that allows you to still show up for yourself, 
then it's time to reevaluate and figure out where do you need to outsource, delegate, streamline to get you back to that balanced place or get you to a balanced place if you aren't coming from a balanced place. So for me, that was getting my first couple of subcontractors in and and beginning to build the team. The second big mistake that I made was, and I, I can still, I have moments where I struggle with this sometimes. And I'm, I feel like everyone would struggle with it or everyone struggles with this. I don't think it's something that goes away. But I was very slow to trust my own instincts. I would him and Hall and Dilly Dally and second guess myself and my instincts and my gut in certain situations. And it bit me in the tail every single time, every single time. And being slow to trust my instincts came, you know, in the, in the space of keeping on contractors that were not a good fit for longer than they should have been, which meant in, in a couple of cases, I ended up losing thousands of dollars and countless hours of my time trying to make up for the lack that, that the company and my clients experienced because I didn't remove them from the company sooner. I, I didn't, I, I wanted to give them a chance to improve and I let that go on probably two months too long. So this goes in regards to having the right team members, providing the right offers. I mean, even working with the right clients, all of those things. I worked with the wrong clients for too long. I was too slow to remove people that weren't a good fit for the team I've I've offered services that I wasn't able to do my very best work with and I was at a point in my business where I was I, I'm I'm at max capacity for learning and understanding and being an expert in new knowledge and skill sets and algorithms and all of that fun stuff. So because I was really slow to trust those instincts, it ended up negatively impacting clients. And at the end of the day, it affects your bottom line. If your clients are unhappy, then they're going to leave. And that is never a good thing. Well, I say never. Most of the time, it's not a good thing. So if you feel in your gut that you and this client are not jiving, it's a, it's a communication issue. It's a payment issue. Maybe they're, maybe they're, habitually late on their payments or they're they're slow to communicate with you but then they expect you to jump on things when they do send it it's those kinds of things that can really create friction in a client and contractor relationship and when that friction begins to happen it can be really difficult to do your job and do it really well when you are navigating negative emotions because of X, Y, and Z. And if you're not having a conversation with the client or taking steps to mitigate those concerns or issues, then it's just going to fester like any other relationship that you're in. And it's going to negatively impact the work you're doing with that client. So a decision I made a, a couple years ago 
was I started working with a client that I did her sales calls. I would get on the call. I had to follow a script. I would sell the experience and then book them for her and she would handle the rest. Now, when I decided to take her on as a client, I took her on as a client because I needed the retainer at the time. And I I was excited. I loved her business and I loved her mission, but the scope of work that she wanted me to do was not something I was excited about. It was all sales calls and follow it was it was a sales position. And although I do enjoy talking to clients and explaining the experience and getting them excited about how they're going to experience this this photo shoot, it's not what I'm passionate about. It's not something that I would get really excited about doing day in and day out. And this client really pushed the limits of my boundaries, of when I could take calls, of when I wanted to take calls, how many calls I wanted to take in a day. And it ended up being between like 10 and 15 calls a week just for this one business. That wasn't including the sales calls I did for two other clients, my own sales calls, my own strategy calls for my business. It completely overloaded my calendar. And I was nervous about that going in. And I ended up working for that client for much longer than I should have. And it came to a point where I had to make the decision to to dissolve the con to end the contract. And we ended cordially. She's a wonderful person. It it was just it was so out of the scope of what I enjoy and what I started my business to do that I was dreading every single call. And when you dread every single call, you're not going to do it well either. So I decided to dissolve that that contract and uh, I really wish I would have done it a lot sooner. What that allowed me to do was we ended up having one of our best quarters the following quarter and I and I was really able to lean into the team development side of SBTL at the time and it was because I had all of this physical space on my calendar, but also the mental space of back available. I wasn't dreading calls. I wasn't going over a script every single time. I wasn't, you know, having to emotionally carry the conversations that these women were having. I mean, these, when you, when, for the type of photo shoot that these women were doing, it's a very vulnerable photo shoot. And for the reasons that they're booking the, this type of photo shoot, there, there's a lot of healing that can happen in these, in these types of photo shoots. So they're coming from traumatic backgrounds or they're coming from a traumatic experience. And to have to listen to their story and hold that space for them, as well as then turn around and sell them this experience, it, it just became, it was too much. And once I, I left that, once I released it, oh my gosh, the difference in how I showed up for my business and how I showed up for my clients and how I showed up for my team was night and day. So if you are 
considering taking on a client, a retainer, a project, and you're like, Ugh, this doesn't feel quite right, but man, I need the money. I would highly encourage you to say no if it's a long-term retainer client. I, I Trust me, I get needing to make money. If it is a short-term project, like 60 days or less, then go make that bag and go get the project done and do the best possible job you can and then and then move on. I don't recommend taking on clients that aren't in alignment with your values or boundaries and trying to make a square peg fit in a round hole because it's it's not going to work in your favor. And you could easily be spending the time and energy and effort to build relationships that will develop into a great client versus having something in your business that's sapping your energy and is taking you away from the things that are going to allow you to build a business that you that you're excited to work at. Do you have zero balance between your work and life? Are you losing leads because you're overwhelmed? Are you losing sales because you are constantly putting out fires? If you answered yes, then I would love to encourage you to join our Business Boundaries Bootcamp. This free, self-paced, four-video program is all about determining, maintaining, and implementing your boundaries so you can run a business you love again. Head over to the link in our show notes to sign up. All right. Uh, Number three, our final big mistake for today's episode. I didn't streamline my processes well enough to set my team up for success. I, I now, now I'll say this for the first round of contractors that I, that I brought into the business. I was like, listen, I am learning how to do this. I'm not doing it fantastically well yet. I'm basically going to throw you to the wolves and we're going to figure this out together. (laughs) That's almost verbatim what I said. And thankfully, I had two incredible contractors who came in and helped build SBTL into what it is today. And one of them is is my employee, Sabrina. SBTL would not be where it's at today if I did not have her as a sounding board, as my right-hand person, as this incredible woman who runs her clients' accounts so well and and has helped build what you know, the team even that we have today. So when I when I first brought them on, I didn't have any processes for hiring, onboarding, training, how to work with clients. The only thing I really had set up was I knew we were going to be using Voxer to communicate. And I knew that I wanted to create, you know, I wanted to help our clients get down to inbox zero and really feel confident in releasing the admin side of their business. That's basically all I knew. From there, it's grown. And and we've created a lot more processes for how we how we work with clients, how I onboard new clients contractors, what my interview process is like, what my hiring process is like. Now we do shadowing where any new contractor on the admin side of the business shadows Sabrina or one of my other veteran client experience managers for a minimum of 
of about five hours before they take on their own client. And when they take on their own client, then I'm going to sit with them for the first day or two and help them navigate getting things set up for their client, how to answer emails, how to respond, all of those things. So our processes have really come a long way. But in the initially, when I was starting to build a team, I had no processes. I had zero SOPs. The only processes that I had in place were on the CRM side. And it was just the client side. I didn't have anything else set up. And it really hindered our growth. Because what happened is because I didn't have a standard operating procedure for bringing someone on, training them successfully, and then monitoring them. I was winging it. And by the time I realized that the clients, or excuse me, the contractors weren't performing to par, it was too late. I We ended up having to salvage a couple of client relationships after a couple of our contractors didn't work out. And it, it part of it goes back to trusting my instincts. I knew I had an inkling about six weeks before they each quit. And I was like, well, yeah. And, and I even remember talking to Sabrina about it. I was, I was like, maybe they just need more time. They'll come around. They'll get it. They'll get the hang of it. And neither of them did. And it was two hires back to back that didn't work out. And it was it was a really, really hard blow as a CEO, as someone who prides themselves in running a company that provides excellent client experience and having two contractors come in and not deliver what I said we were going to deliver was just really tough. And it was a tough lesson for me to understand, okay, where did I go wrong? Where do I need to make adjustments in order for this to not happen again? And it came back to the hiring and the training process, which is why we completely overhauled it that winter. And thankfully, I had a previous contractor she was able to come back we got things up and running and it's been it's been so much better ever since and in this last round of hires that I did at the beginning of 2023 we did things very very differently I did a more in-depth application I sent a test I sent a couple of tests for them to pass in order to go into the next round I gave them real scenarios with clients and they had to respond on how those scenario how they would manage those scenarios and then all of the hands-on training that we did with Sabrina and myself to prepare them for clients and they had training videos and SOPs to look over and resources to fall back on really made all the difference and the process from hiring the two contractors I hired a couple of years ago to the two contractors I hired this year is just night and day. And the results that we've experienced are night and day. These two contractors are 
absolutely incredible. They take a fantastic care of, of their clients' accounts. And our clients absolutely adore them. And it's not to say they, they haven't had bumps along the way. We've had to work through boundaries or learning new systems or learning how we run things. And, and all of that is absolutely to be expected when you bring, when you bring new people in. But every single time they met the challenge with, with grace and a eagerness to learn and do it really well. And it's been really exciting to see the difference between the team I had a year ago and the team I have today. It is, it's, it's, it's incredible. And, and I'm, and I'm so, so grateful for it. So if you're looking at beginning to grow your team, then I would challenge you to really think about, okay, what will those team members need in order to be successful in this role? And then prepare as much of that as you possibly can before you begin the hiring process. If you can create those SOPs and create those resource videos and create the training videos and have the time to sit down and walk them through how you run the business or how you do X, Y, and Z, you are going to be less frustrated because you're going to have the time blocked out. You're going to go into it with expectations, knowing you're going to need X number of hours to train and onboard them. And they are going to be less frustrated because they will have the resources, the tools that they need to succeed while also knowing that they have your support behind them as well. And when you bring when you bring that trifecta together, they will see success and your clients will have the type of experience that you want your clients to have. Okay, that wraps up the three big mistakes I made as a new CEO. I really hope this was helpful. It, it so much of this just goes back to trusting yourself and your systems. Y'all know if you followed me for any length of time that I am a systems person. I have been a systems person for five, you know, five and a half years now. And I, I wholeheartedly believe that the systems that you have in place are the backbone of your business and they are imperative to success especially long-term success. So if you're in it for the long haul, if this is a business that you eventually want to sell or it's a business that you want to retire from, you want to set it up for the long haul. And in doing that, it starts with your systems. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to get off my podium now. Don't ask me where that accent came from. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I'm really, really excited about what this podcast is, the content that this podcast is going to to put out and the kinds of businesses that this podcast is going to impact. I have worked with so many different kinds of businesses and I'm so passionate about creating businesses that are in alignment with our life. I don't want to have a business that I don't necessarily need a vacation from. But I want to have a business that I can take a vacation, an unplugged vacation from. You see what I, you see that, that kind of perspective shift 
because that's what I want for every single business owner out there. And that is my mission as a business consultant, as this podcast host, as the content creator that you are listening to and digesting information from. My mission for you is not to have a business you don't need a vacation from, but having a business that you can take a vacation from and not worry, it's going to burn to the ground. Okay. I hope you guys have a great, great day. If you could stick around for just a few seconds and listen to our little snippet at the end, I would appreciate that so much. And I will see you all very soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the CEO Shift Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you took a few minutes to leave us a review on wherever you were listening to this episode. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time.